Hello to our listeners. Welcome to the 11th episode of Voltec Tech Talks. My name is John Hewson, joined once again by Shabazz Hashmi, and this week we'll be discussing Neuralink and the recent news regarding Neuralink. How are you doing today, Shabazz? I'm doing pretty well, John. How about you? Swimmingly, thank you. So, to start this off, essentially, there, in recent news, there was a to quote, three little pigs demo performed by Elon Musk at Neuralink, wherein one pig had a neural implant, otherwise known as the Neuralink implant, already surgically implanted into her brain. So Gertrude, the pig, has had this implant in her skull for two months and is otherwise completely indistinguishable from a normal, happy and healthy pig. The neural implant sits in a position where it picks up signals related to her snout and in the demo, Gertrude was seen eating off a stool and sniffing straw. This triggered spikes on a graph that tracked her neural activity. So, first thoughts upon hearing about this, Shabazz. What came through your mind? So, I saw the pigs, right? And I initially, I was a little underwhelmed. I was like, cool. They're monitoring their, I guess, n neurons shooting into their brains, right? Um, but it really took me a while for them to get to the applications to be able to understand how significant this is, you know? Absolutely. And I don't know if you've seen the tech that already exists for humans, but a light scouring of YouTube will help you see that there are actually a lot of... They're generally amputees, because that, I think that's generally an easy, easier sort of brain signal to map out with the more crude instruments that we currently have to highlight that Neuralink yeah. is a massive step above in terms of the clarity of brain function that you can read in comparison to the sort of electrodes that people have been using in the past few decades. But there are some that I don't believe they're surgically implanted, but they're like pads that you place on someone's skull that can read crude electronic signals electric signal, sorry, and control prosthetic limbs with that. So the implications, and especially how Neuralink are framing it, are to help those who have disability issues or are amputees. And that seems to be a significant use case, as well as brain-related diseases, such as Alzheimer's and dementia. Yeah, Definitely. Just circling back on the current solutions. I feel like this one is far more invasive though, right? So with the solution, you actually need to have a robot on top of your head, cutting into your skull and skin, implanting this, no like this, um, I guess, interface, a computer interface um, on the top of your skull, is it? And then sewing it back together. Yeah, I think they... I think the way it sits in your head is that they cut out a circle of your skull and I think it sits inside that circle. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Because um, it obviously has to be inside the brain case, but um, I would assume that it's not jutting out of your head as well. So one, yeah, one like funny idea that came to mind was charging it. So upon inspecting the Neuralink website, it does state compact inductive charger wirelessly connects to the implant to charge the battery from the outside but it has a yeah, picture it's similar of a... to the apple watch charger right <laughs> <laughs> yeah it has a picture of a usb charger on it though so i'm wondering like maybe i'm hoping that's just the wireless 
charger that is being plugged into and that you just like press this little conductive charger onto onto the back of your head to charge it but yeah so have you ever seen an apple watch charger no i haven't personally this looks really similar to an apple watch charger so the whole idea is you've got this little contact point on the back of the watch and it just magnetically like snaps on and that's also inductive and it looks like an apple watch charger it's so weird and this is the kind of device i'd be worried about if it ran out of battery right yeah what if you just get what if you're a person who becomes dependent on such a device and yeah. suddenly it no longer functions it's it's quite jarring really like imagine you have full limbic control and out of nowhere your i guess computer interface in your brain just runs out of battery like what do you do in that situation that's why when i saw the usb i was also a bit surprised i was like wait this is how we're solving that <laughs> like if your phone dies sure but this is surely something that you'd need something a bit more sophisticated wouldn't you yeah i can't troubleshoot i guess this far ahead of time like we'll have to see what sort of innovative solutions they come up with for that um have you seen those truly wireless chargers no so they have these chargers that are still proof of concepts and you basically have a charging bar and you've got devices and you don't actually need to make any contact but you can wirelessly charge devices as you walk around in your room oh without any contact at all yeah contactless wireless charging let me see if i can find the company that's w- doing would that. you lose wireless charging. huge amounts of efficiency doing that though uh, you probably would, but the question is, if you're just walking around your room, right? It doesn't really matter. Because you're even if it's low efficiency, if you're there 80% of the time, you're fine. Okay. Um, let me see. Is it Pi? Yeah, I think it was Pi a few years ago. Um, there was an article on Mashable.com. Um, and it basically says... The, the startup Pi says they found a way to charge phones and tablets by simply placing the devices near its cone-like charger. So that could be used over here if they can find out how to make that work. Well, I, I, yeah, I'm hoping that they've thought about these issues far enough in advance, and I'm sure that the charging solution is going to be wholly adequate, but something definitely to consider. Right. <laughs> yeah, Definitely. Yeah, it's insane. It's really cool. I'm just waiting for that to come out, like, mainstream. Just imagine never having to plug anything in. Just put it somewhere in your room. That's revolutionary. Well, that being said, I am equally as keen for the whole concept behind Neuralink. Um, what, what comes to mind is Cyberpunk 2077, all these human enhancement body modifications and slowly transitioning towards being less human and more robotic, but having an interface that allows us to control or interact with computers i think that's one of the biggest use cases projected by this so not to hype it too much like from musk's perspective but he's stated that you'll be able to telepathically summon your tesla probably isn't that of that much of a complicated message to send in comparison to the other sort of tasks that they're hoping we'll be able to do with these things. But to give our listeners some kind of idea of the 
degree of complexity that these new Neuralink devices will be able to read from our brains in comparison to what already exists. From what I've found, it is titled the Utah Array. It's a single chip with 64 electrodes. That's, I think, the highest tier of chip that we've been using thus far to understand the human brain and the signals it releases to try and map specific neurons being fired to specific activities so that we can understand, you know, this section of the brain is controlling motion in this part of the body. That's insane. Like you said, it's pioneering this new wave of human-computer interaction. I think that's the fancy term for it. Uh, But the whole idea is we shifted from using these... um, I don't know if you've seen the first few computers, but they're like these punch hole card things, which would be used to do calculations. And then it shifted over to like this terminal interface, um, similar to MS-DOS, right? And then we shifted over to graphical user interfaces, And then, of course, we shifted over to carrying a computer in your pocket and calling it a smartphone. Uh, Then we shifted over to wearables. So we're getting closer and closer to our computers. And I like to think this is the pinnacle of closeness. Like, we're literally housing our computers in our bodies at this point. Yeah. And I think an interesting way of thinking about that sort of relationship is the rate of transfer of data between our mind and computers. So at present, to speak to a computer, we have to interface with a keyboard. We have to use our fingers, send message to our fingers, which thereby types a message, which then gets interpreted by the computer. With this, we bypass all of that, and it's a direct a direct highway from our mind to a computer signal, which can then be readily interpreted by a vast array of different programs. And as a music nerd myself, as sort of the fir- one of the first things that came to my mind was being able to play keyboard with your brain. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're right. Yeah, and especially in like advanced music production sort of things, where you're able to modulate a whole like a, a vast amount of different parameters on a certain type of sound and influence you know, musical qualities, you can, I can't even imagine the sort of noises and ability that would give you to really manipulate music. So I'm excited to, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get into the first generation of Neuralink. I'd let them. (laughs) Yeah. No, I wouldn't even get into the second, to be honest. I'd wait a couple, a couple, (laughs) a couple dozen dozen generations might be waiting a long time, but I don't know. I mean, like, it's still so invasive, you know? Like, if I had some uh, medical condition that would warrant something like this, of course, I'd go in there without even thinking about it twice in the first generation. But just as, like... But I can imagine a lot of cool stuff with music, like you said. Like, imagine being able to modulate the drums in the background or run a beat in your mind, get it to come through the speakers, and then just end up playing the guitar. It's like you literally become a one-man band. Yeah, that's what had me thinking about it. Because if you try to envisage a song, imagine a song, you can feel like you can actually understand in your head several instruments playing at once. You can play back in your mind if you want to, like a specific orchestral piece. So does that mean we'll actually be able to 
jam all of those signals in simultaneously, we don't really know yet. That would be but insane. But I'm super excited to find right? out. And if... Yeah. And there are so many other places that could be used. Like, music is one place, but imagine being able to coordinate resources in like a in like a simulation or something, or even being in a simulation. So let's say you're in a simulation, you might be able to control the environment around you. I don't know. It's like you could control stuff without even looking at it, you know? I mean, touching it, even looking at it, you wouldn't even need to see something to control something. It'd be like something, a lucid dream wherein you can control everything. Brings to mind Inception. And I wonder, is that, a, Inception? is that a two-way connection? Yeah, 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 yeah I have, I have. <laughs> I wonder what that would mean for privacy as well, though. Think about it. So if we can start deciphering things, and you've got these chap chips in your head, I wonder how good their security would be. And I wonder if a malicious actor would be able to, I don't know, look into your mind a little. It'd be pretty scary if they were two-way. Um, one can pray that they are not. But even if it's not two-way, right? If you're sending any signals out, like let's say you're hungry, right? And it gets that signal and it prepares a burger for you. Or let's say you've, you're thinking of a song. It's Maybe you are not able to actually... Like, maybe you think of a song in your mind, but it might be hard to, I guess, without disabling it in software, not get those signals onto your Neuralink. So who's to say someone couldn't just read what signals you're giving off, even if you've turned the device off? Not me at this point. Right? It's pretty interesting. It's like hacking to the extreme. Yeah. Well, once you have the implant in, it would take a lot of getting used to. And I did see that on their Neuralink website that they have a training app. And it didn't give a run through of how actually this trains you. But from looking at it, there are a series of exercises and it will basically perform a live reading of what is going through your mind as you perform these tasks. And in so doing, I guess it sort of synchronizes with your mind and learns to better understand it. Yeah, I'm going through their website right now. That's really interesting. Yeah, so again, just to illustrate more of how Neuralink works, I suppose. So you get a robotic surgeon, thread and stick over a thousand tiny flexible wires into your brain. This has to be a robot because the wires are extraordinarily fine. They're designed so that they can pick up electric signals fired by neurons in your brain. Over time, we monitor the relationship between what the implant is reading from the mind and what the person or pig is actively doing. And yeah, over time, as we more successfully map the correct neurons to their associated activities, we'll be able to potentially think of an action and make it happen. So we spoke earlier about prosthetic limbs and the use case for that. And a good meta analogy from the Neuralink website is neural activity can be monitored from the outside of the head using non-invasive techniques. And a good analogy from their website specifically is imagine experiencing a sports event through a microphone placed outside the stadium. From the roars or growls of the crowd, you can tell when something good or bad happens to the home team but you'll have a hard time distinguishing whether they scored or made a great defensive play. To get inside that stadium to really know what's going on, we need to put electrodes inside the brain, and then we can understand more particular 
goings on between our neural pathways. So questionable issues that still exist regarding its future usefulness. The selling point of Neuralink is that it will have to be a completely safe and long-lasting and easy-to-implant cybernetic implant. And to quote Lauren Frank, a neuroscientist at UCSF, having that work in a human brain for a long time without problems, without destroying a bunch of blood vessels and so on, is a really hard biological problem. So to go back to that stadium analogy, the idea of being outside the stadium is to basically just have those non-invasive techniques wherein they put those little sensors on the outside of your head, which can measure a crude amount of detail of yeah, neuron firings inside your mind. And they have use, but it is a blurred image in essence. And that sort of feeds into, I guess, the questionability of whether it is sustainable or feasible to be completely safe and we can guarantee that these implants will not rupture blood vessels in the brain because it's obviously a very sensitive organ. And just thinking about it, right? Think about all of these, I guess, devices Apple produce, Microsoft produce... Um, even on the factory line, there's like this acceptance that a certain percent of these um, devices are going to be lemons. They're going to be broken. And there's just that uncertainty with producing anything. Now, imagine if you have that 1% uncertainty into something that goes into someone's mind. That would be insane, right? Are we willing to take that risk? And will computers ever be at that stage where we'll have a 0% failure rate? Like, even Teslas are coming out, like, damaged, I think. Some of them, even Teslas, don't have a 100% manufacturing success rate. You see a lot of stories online. Yeah, despite them having so, automated away through this like, one. most of their production lines, it's really hard to have that absolute guarantee, isn't it? Even machines have uncertainty. So, the surgical machine that you have, um, that also has uncertainty on it. But I guess it comes back to the same argument that you have with cars, right? We need to make the uncertainty in these machines far, far, far smaller than an uncertainty level in humans of getting it wrong. At that point, it's yeah, a no-brainer. That applies, I guess, more comfortably to cars because we have to drive anyway, but we don't have to have these intense neural to com- computer interfaces implanted in our heads yet. I mean, it'll be pretty cool when we can be guaranteed. I mean, provided that we can be guaranteed. Oh, I wonder if we'd so. be in a... I wonder if we'll ever be in a society that would be exclusionary due to you not having one of these. Like right now, if you don't have a smartphone, where are you in this? I think, I think, I think it's a certainty. You think so? Yeah. When this is developed enough and, you know, society has accepted it as safe, like provided that it becomes safe, which I also think is probably an inevitability. It's kind of just like, a no-brainer, no pun intended. To... A no-brainer <laughs> to get this chip sawed into your brain? <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be very good for MRIs, but... <laughs> oh, no, no. I Actually, I was going through their website earlier, and apparently their MRI is safe. There's no they're metal in to them. Make it. There is, but they're compatible with a certain type of MRI, which is the majority, which the majority of hospitals use. Let me go oh. search the About Us. No, it's not the About Us. It's the Applications, I think. Yeah. So, where is it? Is the link compatible with the MRI? 
They say we're designing the link with the goal that a user would be able to get an MRI and a scanner with at least 1.5 T magnet or smaller, which includes most clinical facilities. Okay. They thought of that then. That's cool. Yeah. And like right under that was the whole security approach. So they say if they have different levels of encryption on every level to make it as secure as possible, and they're going to go through external audits. Okay. I'll hit it back up in 12 years or so and see where they're at. Right? Like if, if they've had any disastrous first... Yeah, this is one This is one device you don't want to be a beta tester for. <laughs> <laughs> no. They're going to have to really sweeten the deal, I reckon. Sweeten the deal. I don't know. Like if you're going through blindness or you're unable to walk... I don't think the deal has to be much sweeter than the fact that you say, hey, after this, the chances are you'll be able to see, or the chances are you'll be able to walk. I mean, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah, you're right there. I mean, but I mean, the, the fatal consequence that we're discussing is whether these little wires are going to rupture blood vessels in your brain, which, is, which could generally be a pretty fatal outcome, right? Yeah. No, that would be bad, definitely. And, like, think about if someone gets it before they actually fully develop and they go through growth, right? It would be, when I say growth, I don't mean, like, career growth or anything. I mean, like, literal physical growth. What if their brain gets bigger or smaller? What if it, like, dislodges? I'm sure they've thought of all of these things. Elon's a smart guy. But it would be very interesting to see how it can adapt to the changes in the human body. Yeah, I noticed that Neuralink got approved by the FDA, I believe it was, to be fast-tracked as an innovative technology with potential for um, saving lives or curing disease. I can't remember how it was phrased, but basically it enables them to fast-track through regulatory hearings and audits and stuff, still undergoing those procedures, but I think it just somehow gets priority because of, you know, provided this is a successful product, it does have extreme potential to improve the lives of so many people yeah it feels like this product has the potential to actually change the world right we're talking about this dystopian society you're referencing this new video game that's coming out cyberpunk 2077 right like that's some big stuff that's the work of fiction that this guy's pulling off here definitely is i i wonder having this interface with virtual reality gaming imagine it being able to trick your mind into thinking that you're feeling pain or something like that that's dystopian oh that would be (laughs) bad (laughs) have this horrible variety of like torture fps games coming out or something like actual horror games for the sadists i don't know (laughs) horror games would be insane with this though Imagine being able to feel the wind on your skin and your eyes are just, I know, right? Or just walking around without walking around. Just restrain yourself in like the seat and then start walking. You could try all new levels of sensory deprivation. Oof, that's brutal, man. That's worrying. I don't know. There'd be some, some people would be into it. Not me, but. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah, I think this interfacing with, Games that utilize VR would be absolutely mental. Completely. And, I mean... Yeah, it just changes the game for even augmented reality, right? So right now we're trying to figure out the best way to control augmented reality devices. Some companies believe it's gestures, which doesn't look like the case. 
Other people believe you should have a screen, which you can tap on. Other people say a controller. But the whole point of augmented reality is to feel like you're in that reality. So having these other human control interface devices kind of ruins the feeling. So how do you fix it? And this seems like the perfect way to fix it. Imagine being able to control your phone that is projected in your glasses just by thinking it. Yeah, I, I guess it comes back to that sort of data transfer rate issue, wherein speaking words to another person is very low data transfer rate. Displaying an image, an image is worth a thousand words. And in terms of data, that also makes sense with regards to how much you can convey with an image in, in comparison to words per second. Have you seen their... So you're going through Neuralink's website, right? If you go to the application section, there's this really fascinating section where you've got this um, lady with a Neuralink device hovering over her head with some beeps com beams coming out. And you see her typing on a keyboard without typing on a keyboard. Imagine how fast testing, texting can get with this. Will we have to, I guess... Will there even be a keyboard interface? Maybe that's the intermediary? Maybe, yeah. I'm wondering, like, surely we'll be able to just think words and send them in their entirety. But maybe that's too much to expect. <laughs> From a version one? Yeah, probably. But yeah, I mean, it's insane. You just keep thinking of new things it can do. And as a software engineer, that's when you start going, hey, maybe I should change the stuff I'm developing for. And maybe this is that big computational leap from MS-DOS to a graphical user interface bigger than that, right? Bigger than a laptop to a touchscreen device like an iPhone. Bigger than that. This is massive. That is massive. Well, computers didn't always have mice, did they? And that's just another extension no, of they did not to interact with them. And eventually this might yeah, make that obsolete. Definitely. Like, imagine if you had one of these into, in your head, and you could just choose which device to pair to. And then you just think it. Yeah, I can definitely see how, to some, this seems dystopian and completely whack, but so exciting. To some? Do you believe that there are others that don't feel like <laughs> this is not dystopian and whack? I mean, I'm a fan, and I think it's dystopian You think it's dystopian, or like you actually think it bodes poorly for the future? I don't know. I mean, oof. this would completely change human interaction. Like, there's an argument to be made, right? Like, humans are already becoming lonelier and lonelier with the age of social media, right? There have been these um, statistics that have come out. Um, social media. It, apparently, we're the loneliest generation that has ever really existed. We don't talk to strangers on trains or even, like, we don't do much, right? So, the question is, would this contribute to that? Do you know what I mean? How does this bode for humanity? How do we, like, interact with each other? I would like to think that social media will not forever hold a vice-like grip over our generation and others, I suppose. Although it doesn't look very convincing at this point, but... Yeah, you look away. Um, it's not. It's not a very. It's not a very productive entity to for us to engage with, like to replace human interaction. But which human wakes up in the morning and goes, "Hey, what am I going to do in my free time today? I'm going to try to be productive." <laughs> you know. How many people 
Wait, sorry. What's your? What do you mean? So okay, let me rephrase that. Like, I think the majority of people don't want to be productive most of the time. You know, like you have those people that are in it for the hustle. They work day and night. They get stuff done. Mm-hmm. But then I'd like to. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but I have a feeling that a lot of humanity just wakes up and just chills. You know, maybe goes to work and just goes about their day. So you feel like that bodes poorly for the future of social media's influence in our lives in that people are, who are trending to being more or less, more unproductive are likely to engage with it more in the future? I don't know. I mean, there's definitely a question to be asked here, right? Um, I don't think social media is going away. You see the death of a massive platform, but then you see the rise of another. Do you know what I mean? Um, but then again... The question is how that all links into Neuralink, right? Would this make the issue worse? Would it make it better? Would it decrease human interaction? Would you end up sending really weird messages to people that you probably wouldn't send them, but your mind thinks you're trying to send a message? Imagine all of those negative thoughts, like you meet someone and you just notice something and it just goes straight to them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you have unwarranted ill thoughts going through your mind and they automatically get sent to people. Not that I have many unwarranted ill thoughts, but that would be pretty funny, right? <laughs> no, not to out oneself. <laughs> yeah, it would be bad. You'd want some kind of like insurance policy, like have carry your phone on you and then you have to confirm physically whether you wish this message to be sent. Yeah, I think you're right. Like what, Like I just got Apple CarPlay in my car and every time I send a message, right? series like do you want to say and then it just repeats it all the way to me and sometimes i'm just like yeah just send it already but yeah definitely something that i'm sure they've been thinking about and from a software perspective do you develop for a Neuralink, or do developers actually get much rain with this because this seems very personal it doesn't seem like the kind of device you just let any app dev build for do you know what i mean well, i would assume it may very intense regulation and auditing before any app would be, I guess, permitted to directly or even indirectly interface with it. Because, yeah, as you say, it's very it's invasive and it's deeply personal to be reading your neural activity as clearly as this device can supposedly read it. Yeah, do you remember that time during the uh, presentation just walking back to the three little pigs. Um, do you remember how they were able to predict what the pigs' brain waves were going to be like? No, how's that? They had like this. They had this predictive model running, and they could like they were showing their projected. Um, let me just find a source for this. So according to this um, website, the week, and I'm pretty sure it's elsewhere as well. Um, they showed that this Neuralink computer could be fed, uh, the signals could be fed into this computer, and that it could predict Gertrude's limb movements with high accuracy. So you could tell what Gertrude was going to do next before she even did it, just looking at the patterns. And that's a crazy thought as well. That is crazy. I didn't realize they'd gotten that far already. It's one important consideration, I guess, is the in translating this tech over to the human brain, the 
absolute complexity of the human brain. We have to consider the the complexity of the tasks we undertake regularly and the sheer size of our brains in comparison. So to compare, a pig's brain typically has about 425 million neurons and a human brain has approximately 86 billion. Wow. Okay. So that's a factor of, what, 2,000 more neurons. So that's a... I guess we just got to factor up the degree to which we can read synaptic firings in our brain and there'd just be a lot of extra noise and i assume that maybe as they make new generations of the device they might in fact make more wires so they can read more electric signals as they occur i'm sure that that would simply provide greater clarity Mm -hmm. the more you add yeah i mean i don't know how this works to be honest they must need more wires but human brains might actually be a lot more complex right where i'd like to think one of the most complex animals that are around you don't see other animals talking walking doing whatever we're doing so who knows what kind of challenges they're going to face when they plug it into a human brain i like to think that too Hopefully, or maybe I'm just overinflating our importance in this universe. (laughs) Oh, we shouldn't get too egotistic. I mean, we have our brain to thank for pretty much everything good that happens to us. And everything bad. Yeah. And a lot of the bad. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But that being said, it does present a significant obstacle with regards to this. But again, we've summarized a fair few of the ways in which it could very tangibly benefit a lot of civilization and i'm very excited to play keyboard with my brain implant right or even like imagine playing chess with your brain implant the world's playing checkers while we play chess (laughs) that feels like an understatement for this but yeah sure (laughs) cool well that was super good john a lot of a lot of interesting stuff on this topic. Definitely is, and I'm keen to hit it back up with you in a couple of Neuralink generations time, and we can review to the Voltec Tech Talk audience how it feels. Yeah, and we can look back on this podcast and laugh and be like, "Wow, we so under or overestimated this thing." We'll be able to stream the podcast from our brains straight to our rss feed on spotify oof wow what a time eh what a time <laughs> we'll have to wait and see awesome anyway shabazz it's been a pleasure yeah thank you for Thanks joining for me. today yeah i guess until next time eh until next time thank you to our audience for having sat through this with us today and have a lovely day have a good one see ya